0: What's up, Pound Nation, and happy 4th of July. This week, we're going to take a look at last week's Pounder's Thesis pick, Unity. We're going to take a look at EVs, Joby on the Evitol space, Supreme Court case impacting SoFi, Overstock.com acquires Bed Bath & Beyond, huge short report on exponential fitness, and stick around, we have another Pounder's Thesis pick, UiPath, another episode of Pounding the Table, begins in 3, 2, one.
1: And so, my fellow America,
0: thirty-seven points or so. Apple are just getting this morning. we
1: down by three and can do for you, Generally across these Ask what, That's what you, you can do for your country. The country. You wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500. Sheep.
2: And sheep gets
0: slaughtered.
1: What in the world is happening on Wall Street?
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 81 of Pounding the Table. I am back with Joey Solichio and our new co-host because he hit that Pounders thesis pick last week. We're bringing him back. So, Shy, welcome back. How are you guys doing on this Friday? I know we have some breaking news here. Joey, if you want to get into this Coliseum fight that's about to go down. Yeah, so we just saw a scroll on Twitter that the Italian government says
1: that Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk can fight at the Coliseum. So, I mean, that would be pretty cool, kind of like a gladiator-style battle in the Coliseum, but I don't think Dana White's going to go for that. I think he's going to go with the typical UFC, massive Vegas bout. Think of all like the you know added economic
0: activity to do that. Why hand that over to Italy? I haven't taken a look at MGM pricing, but like, could that play a role if they, if they go fight there? Do you think MGM comes up on that?
1: I mean, I don't think it would be
0: all that significant, but I mean, you never know. Or the Coliseum I, I, go public there, too.
2: I mean, I think it's going to set the new gambling record. It's going to beat the Super Bowl. The amount of like dollars going to be spent in Vegas. you any
1: odds that have come out yet?
2: Yep. I, the most recent odds I saw was Musk actually winning.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Kind of interesting because everyone's all up on Zuck for that.
1: Yeah, you'd think because, you know, he's trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that he would be at least the favorite. Now, unless they think size is that significant of a of a difference. Plus, I saw Elon Musk was training with somebody doing Jiu-Jitsu. So. Well, he's
0: kind of like the Yankees or Green Bay Packers where they get the public. So if you're betting the Yankees, there's always some additional pricing because how many Yankees fans there are that are going to be okay. buying So Elon's got all these people on Twitter. I know Zuckerberg got some
1: hatred back in like Cambridge Analytica days and everything, but seeing him hold him hold his own in front of Congress that one time, that, you know, kind of like ice in the veins type guy. There
2: was a huge swing in the odds. Like last weekend, it was Musk winning. I just checked FanDuel, minus 440 for Zuck winning. Wow. Okay. See, probably, people probably
1: finally checked into his background and training. No. Like the dude, he's serious. Like he just won an actual jiu-jitsu competition. Unless this fight is going to be like years away, that Musk has you know time to train. But I don't think you can expedite that sort of training, you know, in months that that Zuck's been doing probably for years now.
0: All right, let's get into the week, guys. So Pounders thesis pick from last week: Unity. Again, this is never investment advice. We're just doing some research. But Shai, you came up with the Pounders thesis pick of Unity. Up 19% on the week at the time of this recording. So it's about one thirty Eastern. But, Shy, there's some additional news. Yeah, it was in the high 30s when we talked about it last week. But
2: I mentioned that this is a very undervalued AI play. And there's going to be some news coming out in coming weeks that's going to make people have their eyes pop on the amazing tech that Unity has. And we were, we were right. They announced this week the launch of a AI marketplace within its Unity asset store. Exactly what we it, talked about last week. It's going to accelerate all the gaming content to the 3D marketplace, and I can promise you this: in five years, the amount of gaming content is going to be out there is going to be massively increased from what it is right now. And I think that Unity's capitalizing on this right now, and it's a great time to be a shareholder on the stock. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the stock over fifty dollars in the coming weeks. Joey, just say it. That's it. you go. Oh. To answer your question, the
1: proposed deal by AppLovin years back was fifty eight eighty-five per share for Unity.
0: So it is still significantly below that level. Let's get into the market highlights of last week. So obviously today the big headline was PCE price index moved down to three point eight, which is its lowest levels since April twenty twenty-one, peak being seven percent in June of twenty-two it's still well above where they want it to
1: be. I mean, it's good to see that, you know, it's not rising as significantly as before, but we're still a ways off from where we need to be. And I don't think this is enough to stop Jerome from what he's about to do with, where he said, you know, you could get consecutive rate hikes over the next two meetings. So we'll kind of see where he's going, but, you know, it seems like he's destined to make sure, or at least attempt to drive the market lower. And if not, you know, see how many, have an issue with the rate hikes that are coming. Because you know, the last couple set of rate hikes is when we saw the whole bank fiasco last time around. So now the question is, how many of these regional or small banks could fall if
0: these rate hikes come into play and make things worse on them? The market's still driven by the Fed. I mean, that's that's kind of been the theme, I'd say, over the past year and a half, really. Everyone's watching j So are we still in that type of market, would you say? Well, so I still think like the don't fight the fed saying is always going to be something, you know,
1: that it's not a bad way to live. However, it seems like the market got crushed because of the fed for the longest time. And it's still looking like one of those forward looking things where it seems like the market started to make its uptrend once they saw, you know, rate hikes are almost over. So it's interesting to see once more rate hikes are on the horizon that the market has still been so resilient. But yeah, we are caught in a weird situation where it feels like we've been in this nonstop uptrend. We haven't had any real significant pullbacks, and we were talking before the show: could the market continue to rise slowly through the summer and even through the rest of the year, or are we going to get that significant pullback? I feel like it would be healthy for the rally if we did see, you know, a five, ten percent pullback just to calm down and then start climbing that staircase again, mm-hmm. but. I mean, we look at how the market's acting today and, you know, th- there's really no telling where it's going to go. So I feel like as investors, we're, we're always just a wrong, along for the ride. And that's kind of how I'm playing it right now. Just continuously reevaluating my positions, making sure I'm as best positioned to benefit from a continued uptrend, but I'm also protecting myself that if we have a significant pullback, that I'm not in some very high risk, high reward situation where it's going to take, you know, twice of what the market move may be.
0: Taking a look at the jobless claims, right? They came at 239, estimated at 266. So, you know, j is looking at the jobs. People are still working and it's not as bad as people think. I know sometimes we say those numbers don't matter, but if that is an indicator for the Fed, like what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think uh, jobs is a little min- min- manipulated.
2: A lot of companies who list job openings, just even though they're not trying to hire just so they have that front of like they're succeeding and they're doing well but they have no intention in actually filling those roles do not like the jobless claims as a good metric to justify like how our economy is doing i think it's a pretty outdated metric Mm -hmm. but having said that i do mimic what joey just mentioned this past week i did some trimming in my portfolio raised the five percent cash position to have some kind of ammo entering the earnings season next couple months it's been a while since we had this kind of run up into earnings season. Now, like the expectations are pretty high that if some companies exceed, but don't excel into their earnings, they might get punished. Like we just saw that Micron, Nike suffered yesterday. I think that might be a trend for the next coming earnings season.
0: U.S. May home sales come in at 763K, estimated at 675, 12.2 month on month increase. Joe, I know you were going to touch on that. Yeah. I mean, it home sales just keep trucking along. So it, it's interesting to see that
1: with interest rates, and I think mortgage rates are now averaging over 7%, but that's not really slowing people down. Maybe there's some good incentives from these home builders for people buying these new homes, but I did find that number interesting that those are still so strong. And that could be a direct play of what you're saying, where we're still seeing strong employment numbers, not much wage growth, but
2: yeah, I guess people are still willing to spend up to buy homes in this market. I'm shocked to see how well the homebuilder stocks are like doing this year. Like if you told me that the Fed would raise five hundred basis points of rate hikes and the homebuilders would be at the price they're at right now, I'd be like, you are delusional. But that's like where we're at right now. It's the
0: home home stocks are very strong right now. Get into EVs real quick. Lordstown Motor is officially filing for bankruptcy. Ford's laying off a thousand contractors and salaried workers. Lucid Motor, some positive news here. Recent deal with Aston Martin is just the beginning as it plans to license its technology to others as well. Also received an investment from Aston Martin in order to gain access to this technology. And then finally, Polestar and Tesla. So we were just joking that we need to do a, a weekly update on where Tesla's going because Polestar signed a deal with Tesla to gain access to their NACs, which we've been talking about the past few weeks. So they're really going to build this monopoly. He's going to become the new oil tycoon. We talked about this when the original deal was struck between, I think, GM, and then we saw it was
1: Ford, and then it was GM. We kind of talked about this where everybody would either need to fall in line or start making these other partnerships. And I thought we would see both, but no, it seems like now everybody's just moving to these NACS chargers and making Tesla's the absolute standard. So now you're seeing all the other charging station stocks kind of follow suit and adding those chargers to their network. But I still think Tesla's the superior brand where everybody's going to want to be charging at their supercharger. You know, It seems like Tesla's always been about doing it themselves. So I'd love to hear an update, not
0: just about their cars, but update on what they're planning to do with their infrastructure. So we just saw Lordstown go under and file for bankruptcy. I mean, this is not an inexpensive business to start to go. Again, Tesla's had 10-year runway on a lot of these. So do you think there's going to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions in place? Or do you think they'll just let these guys die, hire for some of the talent on designers? Like, What, what do you think is happening there? Well, we talked about this on a previous podcast where I thought There could be some potential for
1: some of the bigger non-Tesla automakers to acquire some of these smaller brands, just to have access to their designs and their teams. So I remember I brought up Fisker as an example, because he was a designer, I want to say a BMW. uh, And where I could see someone wanting to acquire his brand, just to make him stay on for a couple of years for designs and have that brand take off. But then, you know, it seems like there's countless of these stocks out there now, it's where a lot of them will be going under. And maybe some of the more premium ones with like big name backers. I remember like Leonardo DiCaprio and some of the celebrities were a backer of one of them. So I could see that being a brand that it actually gets acquired just for like the star power behind it. But I think a lot of these smaller players just need to disappear entirely. And I, I kind of just think back to an interview that Elon Musk did where he was, uh, they were saying, you know, if you have any advice for someone entering the car business, what would it be? And he says, don't do it. Like, it's just an absolutely terrible idea. It's grueling. And chances are you're gonna fail. And Tesla came within days of failing before. And that's when he was like sleeping on the production floor and all that, just not looking all that healthy. And he made it through, but I don't think any of these other companies really have an Elon Musk running the show that they either need to cut some deals soon to get taken out. Now, Lucid's an outlier because they'll always have the Saudis as the big backers. So I could see them just being taken over entirely. But a lot of these other ones, they either need to buddy up with a bigger automaker or figure something out to reduce expenses now and elongate their runways.
0: Let's literally and metaphorically take flight real quick because I know you wanted to touch on Joby. I was just taking a look up eighty five percent this last month. I know Joe, you kind of hate that even tall space just because it's you know they, they really are kind of a coin flip. Shit's not happening. But some interesting news here: Joby received a nod from the FAA to begin testing their electric air taxis. So touch on that, shy.
2: Yeah, um uh, Joby is currently at the stage four of the FAA certification process. Uh I mean we're still in the early innings in the toll space. I know the projections are it's gonna hit a trillion dollars by twenty forty. So this is a multi-decade play. It's still very early innings. It's definitely had a run up this week. It was a pretty short stock, but they have some great partnerships in Uber, Delta Airlines and Toyota, so uh, I'd wait for it to cool off a little, but it's definitely a great long-term play if you want to be in the space.
0: Yeah, it's going to be heavily regulated, I can only imagine, and that never is quick with the government. So, And God forbid, one crashes, that's going to delay it another five years probably as well. But other flight news, United Airlines CEO blames the FAA for numerous cancellations, probably because they're testing all these Joby flights and so it's fucking with the United Airlines. Jump So, I
1: mean, Uh, my whole thing on this space is uh, now my kids will try to make fun of me saying I'm afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm not a fan of heights. So, if you're telling me, hey, Joey, take a car that's going to be 30 minutes or take a helicopter that's going to be six minutes, like, no, thank you. Just the thought of taking a helicopter somewhere where I can just pop in an Uber. that's where, like, every time someone's bringing up these EV tolls, oh, Joey, what do you think about Joby and... Uh, there's another Lilium and uh, E all these helicopter You're service for a bit. I'm just defaulting to, you know, I, I Uber has Ubercopter. I don't I think it's still an operation to where you want like some sort of future transportation, why go to one of these other ones that are trying to have these fancy flying car type things? Just
0: only the best in class that is becoming a free cash flow machine in Uber and call it a day. Uh, I wonder if the submarine is had any effect it it looks like it did not i want to say uber actually had some sort of like submarine type service in
1: australia that they they might have been like just testing it introducing scuba yeah the world's Uh, first ride submarine may 23rd 2019 and this is from uber itself so it's not fake yeah introducing scuba the world's first ride share submarine on the great barrier reef i don't know if that's still in operation but like again Anything that has to move with moving a person from point A to point B, Poober is involved. If any Uber, Uber like,
0: executives are listening, they could also pivot into Poober, Toilets on Demand, where you could have the toilet come to you. That was actually a skit on Comedy Central once, I want to say. Like you yeah,
1: you pull it's up more house,
0: it up. Yeah,
1: basically like instead of a public bathroom, you find it on the app and you stop at someone's house and, and yeah, use it. But yeah. Also I think the name Scoober is incredible to where I'm gonna I'll do some research so we can tweet out to people to or, see if- or Rick's I'll could
0: create have- boober and have Ubers drive them directly to Rick's if they're listening. And that was our end <laughs> <laughs> let's get into some AI news. Y Combinator said their latest batch of startups 35% of the money is moving into AI. So we've touched on this the past few weeks. There's a lot of money flowing in there. And I think it's interesting investment from a VC or an accelerator standpoint where they may not need to throw, you know, 10 million, 15, 20 million at these early stage companies to grow out. With AI, you know, again, we've talked about this small five, you know, two-person companies can start to take off. NVIDIA in the US is planning AI chip export controls. Snowflake and NVIDIA, they partnered to help businesses harness their data. Snowflake's also partnered with Microsoft to expand the AI product offerings, increase investment in Azure, and then Microsoft finally has new AI-powered tools in Bing and Edge platforms. I don't want to keep pounding the table on AI because we've talked about it quite a bit, but anything notable here? Um, Well, I mean,
1: Snowflake is a data company, so it's interesting to see they put out headlines that they're helping companies harness their data. It's like, yeah, that's what you do. My question for you is, what does Snowflake call their employees? Are they Snowflakes?
0: (laughs) <laughs> but ching that was good. <laughs> Not a I'm question. I'm Google, right, did you laugh more at his or my joke earlier? Let's we gotta take a look at here. IBM's acquiring technology spend management platform, AppDio for 4.6 billion. Apple, other big news, planning a new Apple Watch Ultra alongside the new iPhone 15 this fall. Google is testing a new YouTube product offering called Playables for its online gaming platform as well. Amazon is launching their local business delivery network to enable small businesses to manage their own deliveries. What does that mean? I had to look it up, but basically I think Kohl's did this and other areas where people could come drop it off. Similarly for small business now, effectively they're going to, instead of going to a, a radius of 10 miles, they can now drop it off at a small business, pay that small business to actually do that last mile Deliveries, so that that's a pretty innovative approach well my question
1: for that would be does the small business that's partnering with amazon have to be involved in logistics or are they just finding like say one business at the base of like some massive building and then they're distributing to the rest of them because i would almost look at this as a lot of work for amazon to find the right partners in those areas now if it's a small logistics firm that'd be another thing but like what if you know, like two companies that are competitors are in the same building, you're dropping off to one because they're the drop point, And then they just start, you know, messing with their competitor, not getting them their packages. Or what? like, I always think of like, what if you did that in a neighborhood where like you drop it at the guard gate or your designated neighbor to deliver your packages, but then you get like nosy Nancy that wants to you know, be up in everybody's business. Why not just find more small businesses to partner with on the logistics front? Or you know, I haven't even looked into how much is it to like own some routes on for Amazon and, you know, like operate that type of business, just because I thought it'd be interesting to kind of look into. And I feel like that would be more beneficial for them to more people, or even like their existing drivers, you know, talk them into starting their own businesses to take over some more areas. But maybe this is a short term solution. And then long term, it's just about beefing up their logistics
0: unit. This will be one to monitor. I, you brought up a good point too. Like, what if they're late, and this Amazon Prime now is not the two day, and, and that kind of messes up their whole branding? It may have more of a negative effect. But I think where the drones probably thinking this through a little more than we have here. So okay. just back instead of focusing on and stuff. where
1: I'm going to have the the little helipad in my backyard or front porch where the drones going to deliver mm. my stuff, you'd rather have that. I feel but, like it's it's it's. Something that I could like more feasible long-term, like when you think of like the future of delivery, yeah, you can have some like drone dropping a package. Now, of course, it's got to be some sort of elevated platform because last thing you want are some kids to be hit by drones or, I mean, Trevor Bauer can't even catch a drone. Why would like some other adult try to catch one and, you know, chop a finger off? I feel like there's a lot of room for error in there, but then it's almost like everybody has a mailbox out front, now you got to have a little drone helipad in the backyard. It's going to take some adoption, but you know we
0: talk about some weird stuff, so why not talk about the drone and the helipads? Facebook or Meta, as they now are known by, launching a VR subscription for seven ninety nine a month, up two point three percent today, up eight point eight on the month. Kind of a choppy week to say the least, but. This is interesting. Have they done subscriptions or are completely off base? Everything I've seen to this point is like,
1: you buy their headset and then you buy, you know, whatever you're going to be operating on. Now, what would be cool is if they took it one step further, instead of selling like the Quest for one set price and then having a subscription, have one that includes the Quest, kind of like when you're buying a phone, like, okay, you could buy the phone, no, then, it's uh, the service, or you want to buy both at the same time, but still pay a month late. Now it's kind of like an Affirm type version, but almost like, yeah. 40 bucks a month will give you the headset and access to different things. I could see that that could be
2: eventually what they're going to do, but need more adoption to kind of get to that point. I was talking to my buddy about that. Imagine if they went the Roku route where you lost money on the hardware, but just like they got the scaling right and just made the money on the subscriptions every single month. And just everyone would have their headset and they'd rake in that subscription dollar amount, high gross margins. Like that would be pretty wild. And I think kind of squashed the Apple ProQuest battle. Yeah.
0: I've been bullish, Meta. I know it's a pretty hated stock because I feel like people just dislike Zuck. But, you know, you can't cuck the Zuck, as we always say. Coming back to you, shy. U.S. Supreme Court made a ruling here that has affected SoFi. So the U.S. Supreme Court rejected the first two challenges of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan. How does this affect SoFi? So
2: I think a lot of this news was already priced in. As you guys know, like SoFi has been on a tear this past month. Um, but I'm happy with the decision by the SCOTUS. I mean, the president's proposed plan wasn't really tackling the issue. It doesn't solve the root cause. doesn't eliminate the long-term debt. It doesn't hold the wealthy universities accountable. So I'm glad Congress and the folks in Washington finally like worked and solved the route, root of the, they're going to start working and solving this route and solve just like, Accepting the president's proposal, so that's bullish on the economy. But but see still- that wasn't that was fake in itself. They yeah, he knew it. Biden knew from the
1: start that in no way are we just gonna you know make debt disappear on behalf of the U.S. government. Right, like, it has it to come from somewhere. Away. It was a way to get votes. And when it gets struck down because it's like, dude, you can't do that. It's gonna be oh, it's the Republicans' fault. They voted this down. I can't. I can't make your debt magically disappear. It's like, dude, we have $32 trillion in debt and you're going to go forgiving debt that people took on willingly, you know, to get jobs in your great economy. But now they can't get those great jobs because wages aren't growing and there really aren't that many job openings because the jolt state is fake. Like, come on, man. It took me 10 years to graduate college because I paid for a class at a time. Plus, you know, I dropped out a, a time or two. But like, I took one class at a time. It was like 1500 bucks per class, something ridiculous. And it's because I knew debt is toxic. I never want to deal with that. I don't want to be the person paying back loans. I was like, I'll just take a class at a time. Slowly save up, pay for a class. Save up, pay for a class. Like I I took on a mortgage. I know I have to pay that back. When you take something on, hey, take responsibility. You're an adult now, pay it back. If you want some handouts, more power to you. But it's like, we can't try to make debt magically disappear because that's not how it works. It has to go somewhere. And what it's gonna do, it's gonna go back to everybody else. And it's like, I have enough responsibilities in my life. I don't wanna be paying other people's debt through tax increases and other things. So yeah, it goes back to that entire proposal was fake. It was a way to try to buy some votes. And he knew it would backfire, but now he's got people to blame. And it's like, okay, now what ridiculous thing are we gonna, you know, some fake proposal to buy some more votes.
0: Politics is usual, as Jay-Z says. So Joey, considering now all of these people have to pay that back? Like how, what's the direct impact to, to SoFi? Like, is that all of a sudden, is that why we've seen this run up now? Because all these people are going to start to use them more because they don't have money? I think a lot of the run up was in anticipation of this. Cause you know, at some
1: point the loan repayment has to resume. And SoFi is a big player in that space. Another one you could look at is like Nelnet, which and I we were talking about earlier is like a major player in that space. But he, he, I mean, yeah, it's good for SoFi that people are going to be getting back into doing this. They'll be making money on that front. And if you want more information on that, I think Brad Freeman is a very good resource at Stock Market Nerd on Twitter. I've seen plenty of posts where he like explains the ins and outs of this. I think Shia, you've actually been tweeting about this as well. I want to say you did something on SoFi, but there's a lot of great people on Twitter that kind of explain it much deeper than I would. I, I'm one of those where. I love SoFi as a product and service. Like, I, I think I have, like, my SCP IRA there, um, and I might have some other accounts, sorry, like tracking my credit score and, and some other stuff there. So I think it's a great product and service. But what it comes back to for me is, like, it, it's it's a bank stock to where you know, it's not something that I'm all that interested in. Yeah, they've got some great growth metrics on their side. It's a great product and service, but it's not something that I see as, like, I really want to own this stock. And especially something boring like student loans or something like that. It could be like one of those steady Eddie If I want exposure to that side of the financials thing. But I feel like, you know, as close as I want to get to financials is PayPal, because it's more of something like that I understand. I kind of see the long-term growth trajectory and it's not stuck just in banking, but it's got these other growth avenues like, you know, B2B payments and B2C plus Venmo is, you know, Venmo is like, no one uses Cash App. I don't know where all those users come from or unless it's like my entire friend base or maybe it's a West Coast thing, but like nobody that I know uses Cash App. It's all Venmo. Venmo is life for for a lot of us. So, I mean, if you use Cash App, tweet
0: me and tell me I'm wrong. So they're going to be able to show, I imagine, millions of new customers coming on board. Are these good customers though? They're, if they're already in debt. Yeah, maybe that's good for for what their business model is. However, if they have a ton of people now defaulting on these loans, that could affect them or if they have to go out and raise a bunch of cash to satisfy those loans as well. Well, the cool thing about SoFi is they even say on their website, they're
1: geared towards helping their members get money right. So they have a lot of good educational tools on like, hey, if you're in debt, this is how you get out of it. This is why you want to be out of it. And then they've got all these tools to kind of set you on the right path. Yeah, student loans, I feel like they're a good provider to where you could at least you know, figure out how to get where you want to be. But
2: in the end, yeah, you took on some loans. So at some point, just be prepared to pay those back. I foresee a lot of refinancing. I think that's where SoFi is going to make a lot more money on this moratorium and being. But like just what Joey said earlier, like how do you value SoFi? I love the business. I love like what they're doing, their message of trying to educate everyone on how to handle their money. But do you value them as a bank or a tech company? Like, I think there's a weird middle ground happening right now. And like a, the battle of valuation is, is it a bank or a tech? And I think that's where I sold SoFi this week just because I started questioning my original thesis on like why I own it. And I think it's best to stay on the sidelines until you are fully confident in the actual company you're investing in. So I'm going to wait till the earnings report in the next couple months reevaluate if I do want to get it or not. But I do think the um, announcement today was priced in and isn't going to be that effective in the SoFi's actual like revenue for the next couple quarters.
0: Joey, I see you wanted to talk about overstock.com. Been quote-unquote raging in the words of Joey Rockets. How does it work? Like, they, I know they bought it for $21 million, but it
2: just skyrocketed fivefold or instantly like after that? Like it doesn't make sense to me. So
1: looking at Overstock.com OSTK, they're up 70% year to date, including 33% this week and 70% in the last month. So I saw they basically they acquired the branding for Bed Bath and Beyond. It's like all their digital operations. So then Overstock.com announced they'll be changing its name to Bed Bath and Beyond. So essentially that is, it's like merging the two operations and, and that's all that they're going to be doing. Now, I, I get that that's good for overstock because it's more of a recognizable name. But it's like, you're changing your name to a failed retailer. And like, that's why easy. are you going to do this better than they did? Now, maybe Bed Bath Beyond, because like their stores, I mean, they had stores everywhere. And I, I lived by two before. And I swear, every time I shopped in there, I was like one of three people no one was ever in there. So maybe, yeah, the online part is the only valuable asset. But I still want to know about Bye Bye Baby. Like what's happening with that brand? Because that's actually a great brand, high quality products. Those stores were always packed. Maybe that's changed. You know, I haven't been to that store in a while. It's kind of like all things Amazon and Target to get all the baby stuff. But yeah, it's very interesting to see that they're running so hard on this deal and like the name change. Then is this overdone or am I completely missing something? So I'll I'll be doing some more homework on that to see if there's any possibility. But again, I I kind of don't want to say the answer before. But you know, I've had no interest in this for a reason. You know, Amazon's one of my largest positions. I've had Etsy and PayPal. A lot of better ways to play e-commerce and the growth in that space. That I don't think I'll ever slum it with an Overstock, just like I wouldn't slum it with a Bed Bath and Beyond. Mm -hmm. But I like to stay informed, so I kind of want to see. Why is this rallying so hard?
0: And, like, is there some other conclusion to be drawn? Yeah, I don't want to chase a stock ever either. It's been never over the past month, as you said. Like, you're not big on options, but maybe shy. Is this a, an area where you throw some puts on this, thinking that it's just ran up too much and kind of over overbought right now? I got to see the IV on the option chain, but. I mean, I would. I think, uh, to be honest, I think a lot of the consumer
2: brands are going to suffer next rest of the year with the student loan payments have like reintroduced to the consumers. Like, there is going to be a lot of people who have to commit five hundred to like fifteen hundred dollars a month away from their pockets that they were using to spend on products. So, um, like you said, Overstock is definitely overbought. It's over the RSI is over seventy. Then, daily and weekly chart looks overextended. So I wouldn't be surprised at a short-term dip and sell news and type of events, but I would not be confident in the space at all.
0: Yeah, I know you're a big fitness guy and you want to talk about Exponential Fitness, which is a stock that I've never heard about. But XPOF, is that Chamat's spec then? No, no, it's
1: Exponential Fitness. They came public through a traditional IPO. It's one that my friend Joan and I have talked about for a long time. I remember looking at this at like, Nine bucks shortly after the IPO because my wife does Pure Bar and that's one of the brands that they own, and it, you know it's one of those franchisors of of these. They have a lot of brands. So one thing you might know are like Pure Bar, Row House, Club Pilates, and Yoga Six is expanding pretty quick. So I mean they've got these franchises all over the place. The stock had been on a tear since its IPO. I want to say like tripled, maybe almost quadrupled, but the short report comes out. Questioning, you know, how well franchisees are really doing, um, and then focusing a lot on leadership. About, you know, talking about like a shady background that included boiler rooms and all this. Now, of course, kind of got to take short reports with a grain of salt because they will make things seem more extreme so they get the result they want, which is a tanking stock in exponential fitness. And even like people that cover the stock came out and said a lot of that was misleading. But I mean, the the short report did what it set out to do, and it was down as much as 42% on the day of the release. It, it might have been a little bit worse, but that's as deep as I saw it get. And it's still hovering around 17 and change um, from a, a high of 33. So yeah, it, it's taken a beating. Now, I got to do some more research on like the current valuation growth rates, because it's one of those where once the market changed it's not something like i'm not going to mess with a small cap fitness stock or like planet fitness i've always liked that but it's not something that's great in this market not something i'm going to be focusing on i wanted to like you know the flight to safety of the amazon google meta tesla type things even though you could say that those aren't the ultimate safety stocks but some that i trusted more parking cash in but yeah it is uh i mean the first thing is like the short report by fuzzy panda research so as soon as I see those guys, I'm like, okay, is this a serious short firm or like what? I, I, I think I've heard the name before, but looking into the, like their previous shorts, I'm like, okay, so they, they've been doing this for a while. Looking into their form, I'm like, okay, some of these things seem a little bit extreme. Let's see if there's some sort of truth to it. So I do want to do some fact checking on like the CEO, his background, you know, anything about his past that could be, you know, worrisome. But I look at the brands and, you know, within like two miles of my house, there's Pure Bar, two Club Pilates, there's a Yoga 6 right across the streets. So, I mean, these brands are all over the place. So I don't know if I want to like talk to some of the franchisees to see how well they're doing. But I mean, these brands keep popping up. So something's got to give, at least on that front.
0: You got to do your own research. Uh, like I did at the Korean barbecue spot it was empty at lunchtime. That was one you were talking about, that Joe. Oh, yeah. So we,
1: we might as well talk about that one since it just went public. The stock ticker is G-E-N-K. It's a gen restaurant group. And it's basically Korean barbecue joint. And when I was looking at the S1, it's like the average unit volume was way up there for just 34 company-owned locations. So yeah, I, I once I saw there was one in New York City, I was like, Abby, you got to check this out and see if it's legit. And yeah, you went at lunch. You're
0: like the only person. I was the only one in there. And I was like, is this open? And she's like, yeah. But she she did say they're open to like 2 a.m. They have like a 4 a.m. crowd. So I think it's not as much of a lunch area, but I was surprised. It was on 3rd and 14th, I want to say. So it's like a very busy area. So I was surprised. As I was leaving, there was a few other folks trickling in. The food was good, though. I will say the food is pretty solid. Spicy chicken was exceptional. And what I found cool is like this could be something where, you know, it reminded
1: me of Kira Sushi, which actually reports earnings next week, where... It's like one of those different type, it's a differentiated brand to where, you know, it could have some sort of uptake if, you know, they keep looking to extend it. And you're looking at the unit volume, it's over $2 million to where like, okay, this is significant. They do some business and then doing a little bit more digging, guests cook most of the food themselves. So they're like, order, bring it to the table and you're like cooking it. So that reduces the need for chefs and servers. And so like okay this could actually be something that you know helps margins in the long term it's like a great experience good margins they they could you know have some sort of staying power and expansion potential but yeah your experience of not seeing many people while you're there wasn't all that great but to hear that it was more of a night spot so i guess the next thing send you out at you know midnight <laughs> for a midnight korean yeah, expensive deals by the way this is this is bullshit and yeah, this is directly research <laughs> so i feel like We'll do some research and see, hey, this
0: this is strictly for research. You're not going there because you want Korean barbecue. You want to research the stock. We got another pounder's thesis in just a second, so stay tuned. But real quick, I want to just touch on China. Shein files for a US-based IPO offering. That's a company I've heard of. Chinese company always has flags to it. But this one you're going to look into a little bit more or not touching? I I thought it was called Shine. I actually just Googled it, how to pronounce so I didn't sound like an idiot. It is pronounced She-In according to Shein officials' Twitter. Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it says it right here on Twitter. Exactly. This how it's pronounced. It's pronounce She-In. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well. With that being said, does that change? Now, now you're super into it. I kind of like the name. She's in. She-In. I mean, so it comes <laughs> back to
1: it's a uh, fashion retailer. And I consider myself you know, very far from a a fashionista. So, you know, anything like that, tons of inventory closed. I mean, the consumer habits change so fast. I mean, it goes from, you know, one thing to the next so fast. Like Michael Kors was all the rage. And then out of nowhere, no one's wearing their watches or purses. And, uh, you know, Coach was all the rage. Then it wasn't. So I don't know about like, you know, blouses and stuff. Like if that has more staying power. But when I look at it, it doesn't excite me. Um, And if you're saying it's based in China, that double does not excite me. So yeah, I'd have to pass on this one and probably one that I don't even waste my time. I, that's a lie. I look in all S ones and F ones just cause I, I'm an addict, but um yeah, I will, I will be interested to buy this one. I mean, on the retail front, the only thing that I found interesting of late was Savers Value Village. which is like the largest operator of secondhand stores in the United States. And, there's a uh, savers value village, like 20 minutes away. Once I was like Googling, I was like, oh yeah, it's like right next to an oldie. There's one of those. And then there's a second Ave, one of their other banners. So it's like, I want to go check those out. The, the thing is, it's like thrift stores, like the, the average ticket isn't going to be all that big. So it's like, you got to have a lot of people coming through and you got to be in the right areas. Then I look at like all the problems at dollar stores and all the discount companies. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like, you know, the way to, to go with retail or branding is always like the super luxury, like the Louis Vuitton type area, rather than aiming at stores that would be aimed at the middle or lower classes to where those are interesting. The financial look cool, uh, look good, but it's like anytime you ever look at retail, if you want some sort of staying power, like steady gains, you've got to look at the luxury space and really can't go any other way.
2: I mean, I, I totally agree. I think one of the worst sectors in the marketplace is the online retail and fashion companies. I mean, if you look at a couple of companies that went public, like Real Real, Stitch Fix, Farfetch, Poshmark, they are all down over ninety percent since they went
1: hey, public. Poshmark got acquired, at least, at least they found a buyer for that. But yeah, Real Real, I remember. Right after that IPO company I was at, there were some people like researching the stock, and there's a report coming out that like their authentication process wasn't all that great to where a bunch of fakes were getting through. I remember sending a message saying, Oh, check it out. Real, real fake, fake, and got zero replies on that. <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't make a lot of friends at a lot of the company I was at. I mean, that's why it never really lasted all that long. But like, <laughs> I found that to be very worrisome. Like, you call yourselves real, real, you have some fakes getting through. Um, and so these other Stitch Fix was, that was just the ultimate turd that I want to, the old Joey Rock's Twitter account, every time that would come up, I'd put the GIF of like, a the uh, Jurassic Park, the guy's taking his glasses off, and it's a big pile of steaming poop. And I feel like that is the most accurate representation of that stock and everything that it has going for it. I'm going to see if I can pull one of those in, and retweet it, but I, I think all those are dead now. And yeah. Passes the all right.
0: Path. Well, shy, we brought you back, man. It is the moment I think everyone's waiting for of the podcast. Now the Pounders thesis. So again, last week you had unity. This is in no way investment advice, but it's just fun to bring people on, have them share about a company that they're interested in. We'll always do a bear case and a bull case. Always do your own research. That all said, though, shy. Talk to me about UiPath. What, are, what do they do? But just give me a, an overview as to what they do and of course, like why you like them. And then also please share a bear case too.
2: I think it's our responsibility to kind of decipher the actual generative AI plays in the marketplace. Every company is saying they have some kind of AI angle and it's a moat for their company, but I'll believe it once I see the numbers. And UiPath is definitely an AI play. They create robots, but they're software robots. And what they do is they automate routine tasks that humans are usually doing, but humans don't have to. So if you're even doing a repetitive task over and over again, you can use UiPath to automate that task for you. So they can see what's on the screen. They can think about what needs to be done and they can fill it in for you. And you might ask, how are they doing? Well, they have an annual recurring revenue of over $1.3 and has grown over 20% since last year. They've got around 11,000 customers globally, and I also wanna call out that their dollar-based net retention rate is 127%. So that 127% means that not only are they holding on to those 11,000 customers, but on average, they're spending 27% more with UiPath every year. That's incredible. That tells you everything you need to know about, do the customers like the product and do they appreciate the technology? The answer is yes. The company also reported a substantial increase in large customers with an annual recurring revenue that exceeded a million dollars, growing by 43%. And with a market cap of just under $10 billion, and they're aiming to do $1.3 billion rev this year, that's around a seven times price to sales ratio, which is very underutilized in the space. They're also maintaining a 12% free cash flow margin and a 15% net income margin. I think the valuation is definitely underappreciated, especially if you see some other competitors in this space. If you want to talk some bear cases, I think some bear cases that come to mind is the deceleration growth rate and the dampening effect of the dollar's value on the company's international sales. A lot of their business is across the Atlantic Ocean, so the dollar. Is affecting them a lot. So that's why they offered a couple metrics during their earnings report of what it would be like if they exclude FX. Another bear case would be they have a lot of on premise customers that are going to need to migrate to the cloud because over the long term, it is more expensive to service those on premise customers. So it's going to be harder for them to upsell them. So when a company makes that transition, they need to handle it correctly to make sure they don't lose those customers. But investors also need to know if this will, over the short term, cause revenues to go down. Something that one of my positions my portfolio at last season is experiencing at the moment, but in the long run, it's going to make the product stickier. So it's worth that transition,
0: but it's something to keep your eye on. When did they move to the US? I was just looking, they're founded in Romania, now they're headquartered here in New York. So when you were saying that a lot of their business today is overseas, I actually kind of looked at that is a potential upside if they're just entering the market over the past couple of years, they have to build a name for themselves. The stock overall, if you're just looking at price action, right, they opened up around 74, 75, I think, at the time of the IPO here. And they've come down significantly. The price right now is sixteen seventy two. dollars Joey, I'd love to hear your thoughts, too, if you've looked into this at all. So I, I loved UiPath,
1: even at like the time of the IPO. I just think it came out so hot. It priced like 56 I want to say it was over a hundred bucks at some point. It was way up there. It was just like the right time to IPO for a a name like this. You know, It's been an interesting one. So this was right there with Unity when I was looking at like, okay, what are all like the AI plays that people are overlooking in this market as AI started taking off? But then things just like absolutely took off to where now everything's kind of left in the dust.
2: I was just going to say another bear case is they have 13 C-suite members. That is way too many people paying that much for there's definitely duplicate do- good work happening in the executive level. And when you see thir- the number 13, I'm like, okay, they're not really meeting team efficient corporate governance potentially. So that's another bear case.
0: could be a upside though. They fire these guys pretty quickly. That's a huge expense. Think- yeah. Executives get paid quite a bit. So potentially there as well. All right, Joey, wrap us up with the earnings. It's for the July weekend. So I don't know if, if this is the, Probably next week, we'll do like a little 4th of July special since I know we didn't touch on that at all, but anything big on earnings. I didn't see any major names, but so for next week, yeah, it's very small. You got so Monday,
1: you have F45 on here and you didn't realize they were public. I did. I remember when this happened because it's a big fitness chain. It's kind of price franchise, training, right? Like. You what?
0: They're a franchise based.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they've got a bunch. They've got a bunch around me and. I remember first hearing about it well before the IPO because Mark Wahlberg was a big background. I don't know if he owned a bunch of franchises. And I saw another headline, like once the CEO stepped down that he was taking more of a role with the company. So I don't know what exactly he's doing there, but that's interesting. I, I don't know if I would ever want to touch the stock. It, it falls in the same categories like Exponential Fitness and Planet Fitness to where it's just not the right stock right now. Um, and then Thursday, we've got Kira Sushi K-R-U-S, which has been... This is the company that reminded me of, like, Jen Barbecue when it was coming public. Like, this could be one of those, like, just under-the-radar restaurant plays that have staying power and long-term potential because of differentiation. And then good old Levi's on Thursday, because nothing's more exciting than Denim.
0: What happens historically headed into 4th of July? Like, on a short week here, we got coming up. Is there any historical data on, on how the markets perform around 4th of July? Nothing all that significant that I've caught windows.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Monday is a shortened trading day. So I don't know what happens usually on like days where there's only less than five hours. Well, how terrible is that? First we go from, you go weekend, you get a yeah. close of 1
1: p.m. Then it's closed on Tuesday. Like, that's terrible. I hate I hate shortened trading weeks, let alone like I double shortened
0: so historically, the volume's typically lower. Obviously, we just touched on it. Monday is gonna be a shortened day of trading. What'd you say, Tuesday, Wednesday? Tuesday's 4th of July. So with that short week, enjoy your 4th of Julys. We'll be back next week, of course, but take the week off of trading. Just go enjoy your time with your family and friends. So, Any f- last words, either of you guys, that you wanna leave our listeners pondering over the week? Make good choices. That's a- and it's simple big money, Love big it. moves. We'll be back next big, week, fugs yeah. Make a
2: play, don't talk about it Master P,
1: I'm bad it, about it This one here for all that Try to count me out And they still counting Honestly, I never doubt it Say the top is never crowded Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain Till I need a few to count and is rising Perfect timing I'm in Brickle with the tribe Charlie sliding She want sushi She want eel sauce with the rice I just peel off with the light Took her heels off Say real talk. This-